edition of Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. I'm your host, Ricky Hazel, and I'm joined today by our head baseball coach, Steve Tremper. And Steve, it's great to have you on. First of all, because we haven't had you on the podcast, but second, we actually can talk baseball. We don't have to talk COVID. We don't have to talk all the other stuff. We can actually talk baseball. I'm fired up. It is the season. We're only a, a few short months away. We hope to to get our season going, and we're excited. We're just finishing up fall baseball, so we got a lot to talk about and catch up with Stetson baseball. So let's let's jump right in. How has fall practice been? I know it's been different, a because you've had to follow all the COVID regulations, but b you have forty nine guys on the roster, and that's that's a hurdle in itself. Yeah, you know, I, I tell you. Um, you know, the first number one question people might ask is why do we have 49 guys on a roster? Just to take a step back, in typical years, the NCAA allows us to have a 35-man roster. Um, and we usually travel uh, 28 is what we would do. But all 35 would dress and practice, and then you travel with 28. And typically, there's a few guys that are banged up or out for the year with a surgery that kind of gets that 35 number down. Um, but because of COVID, <clears throat> a couple of things happened. Number one, everybody got a year back. So you have um, everybody that came back, if they were a freshman, they're a freshman again. Plus you added your freshman class. Number two, we had our seniors come back. So we had everybody but John Miola, who decided not to come back. And then Robbie Pito, he decided to sign with the Dodgers. But we had our others come back. Um, Third thing that happened is, is that there was a very large um, opening in the transfer portal for a lot of graduate transfers. So those players that might have been really, really good players at a program that might not have had a great record or been a regional type team, those kids decided to transfer. And we picked up, um, you know, three or four of those guys. And then the last part that goes into it is that the draft was cut so short that anybody that might have been a potential draft on our team last year, that maybe not a top rounder, but that person that might have signed or was drafted, I should say, in like the 10th or 15th or 20th round, excuse me, coupled with the incoming freshmen that might have maybe signed, which was one or two kids, those guys all came. So I think that because of all those things, you had a, uh, you had a flux of the roster being a little bit large. So it has been a challenge. Um, you know, uh, obviously practicing with that many guys is tough to get individual attention. So we did almost double duty as a coaching staff. We were <clears throat> having practices where it was just pitchers. And then three hours later, we come back with just the position players. We were breaking up into smaller groups and practicing with just positions at times um, and and just really putting ex- as much of attention as we can into that. So that part actually was a little bit easier to, to mitigate than the COVID-19 restrictions and rules, which is six feet, wear your mask, locker room space, in and out for less than 15 minutes. So just think about my, my, my day the, the getting out and working with the outfielders for like 30 minutes was like the easiest part I had to right. do. It was more get you in the locker room. Okay. We got 10 in there. Honey Marcus said, go hit the timer. You 10 guys are done. Go out in the dugout and make sure you sit six feet apart. Next 10 comes in. It's just so we don't have any spread, any, you know, contact tracing, um, you know, uh, direct contacts, which is where you could lose your team. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing we have to learn from this COVID. I know we don't talk too much COVID, but in baseball, we're a, we're a medium risk sport. It's pretty easy to keep everybody six feet apart. You know, if you just mitigate the locker room and the dugout, I mean, the, the position players are staying away outside of a quick tag or a first baseman holding on a runner for a couple of seconds at a time during that at bat. 
Um, heck, we had tape measures and we were measuring the catcher to the hitter. And, you know, we found it was five to seven feet, you know. So, you know, we're trying to stay within that six feet most of the time. So, you know, as long as you can do it, then you don't lose kids. If we did have a positive, we're not losing the whole entire locker room right. for, a, for a direct contact. And I think we're just practicing for the spring is what this fall really allowed us to do. And I know you mentioned the locker room and for base, for all sports, really, but the locker room's a gathering place, but especially for a baseball team. It's a, it's a social gathering spot, you know, the ping pong table and all the camaraderie that's built in there. And you don't have that this year. You can't have no. that this year. Yeah, you know, it's the funniest thing um, of just learning how to coach, learning how to manage a team. And, you know, I'm obviously a big into leadership and culture. <clears throat> you know, I, I always think that the guys gel in the locker room. And it's just been a little bit ironic from my side. It's, it's no, no, you know, uh, skin off the back to a younger player, but I've had so many younger players come in and ask questions that would never get to my, my, sure. to the head coach's desk. Like, you know, Hey coach, uh, uh, you know, I think I'm going to go home this week. And I'm a little tired, you know, and I'm not gonna be at practice. It's like, that would have stopped in the locker room and be like, no, you don't ask coach that we're practicing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I've been a little bit more receptive to be like, nope, that's not how we do things here. And, um, <laughs> You know, and so I think that that part, along with the fact that the guys haven't quite, um, you know, gotten to know each other yet. We sure. haven't built those relationships with the new faces and old faces as much as I would have liked. Um, you know, we talked with the captains the other day and one of the biggest requests they had was like, hey, coach, once you get it down to that top 28, what do you think of putting the 28 in one locker room and we'll kind of bubble up and then our other, you know, 21 will be in the second locker room and they can bubble up. So we can at least get to know the guys that we think we're going to be on the field with. So, you know, we're just trying to navigate through new times and see how we can make it work. Yeah. And uh, it's especially challenging because you do have them separated in two different locker rooms. So there's, I mean, there's guys that don't even see each other, don't get a chance to interact. Yeah. You know, I think we're fortunate enough as one of the teams at Stetson to have, you know, a home and a visitor's locker room right at your facility. So, it's, it's uh, you know, I know some teams are changing all over the place, changing in dorms and trying to avoid that. And it's not just Stetson, it's everywhere. My daughters are doing the same thing. They're changing in the women's bathroom for their hockey practices because they're broken up all over the place yeah. up in Maine there. So, um, you know, I think it's just that's the challenge is getting them to, to, to be able to know each other. You mentioned captains, and obviously a lot of the leadership has to follow those captains. You're fortunate you have four captains back and one new captain. Talk about those guys and what they what they mean and what they're how they're helping to bring this team together. Yeah, well, last fall, let's take back to last fall. We went through a, a basically a leadership training course that I designed. Um, it, it was basically open to anybody on the team that wanted to go through a 14-week intense two-hour-a-week classes with different speakers about leadership and culture. And and the end of that process, and, and by the way, we had over 50% of our team participate in that, and it was voluntary only. Mm -hmm. At the end of that process, it was clear-cut who was going to rise to the top and be the leaders of the team or named captains, which that group picked. And right. uh, it had, didn't have anything to do with me. Um, uh, and, you know, we had, obviously, Georgie Arenas, who was a three-time captain. Now he's a four-time captain. Right. Um, Andrew McNeil was uh, was chosen. Um, Chris Gonzalez, uh, one of our starting pitchers for the last couple of years. And um, one of the most uh, ironic ones, uh, which was really cool, was uh, freshman Christian Pregent. And this is my 28th year in Division One as an assistant or head coach. I've never had a freshman captain. 
And it just showed you a testament to Christian of his leadership skills and what the teams, uh, his teammates think of him and certainly what the coaching staff think of him. Obviously a great ball player. That's Again, that's the easy part of my job is to go see the kid that can throw 90 and hit home runs or play defense. But he stands out so much as just a good person. He's a guy comes from a great family, um, you know. And, and we're fortunate, at Stetson. You know, the recruiting process and all these guys, you know, they got to play, obviously. But we really put a lot of stock into character and who these guys are more so than ever. And it's easier. I mean, right? Because you're sure. you're checking social media, you're checking Facebook and Twitter, and you're you're getting it, everything's public. Right. <laughs> so you can kind of find out a little bit more about. You know, if you want that, you know, that mental toughness, if you want that character, you can get into that a little bit more. So I think the team's full of that. But obviously, Christian rose to the top and has done a great job. Um, we lost two captains last year with John Miola and um, and uh, 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 Robbie Pito, who signed. So we were going to plan to add another captain. And as this fall started to progress, um, one of our players had just always stood out one of the persons that stood out to us was uh, Jake Murphy over time. Jake Murphy was a walk-on player, you know, three years ago. He made the team. He's always done what's asked of him. He's gotten a little bit better each year. He went from a role player to, you know, uh, a base runner to a defensive replacement. And even, you know, part of his last year was was a starter, you know, right. at the end of his second year. And, and last year was a starter. And he's our multi-talented uh, um, kid can play every position. He probably could be our emergency catcher and he could probably pitch for us if he wanted to. He's just a very super athletic kid. So, um, and, and he's graduating early. He's entering grad school after three years of college. Wow. I mean, just just a really good kid. So it was a no brainer to add him in there. And just, if you want to build a player, um, you know, that's just socially and just the kind of mental toughness type of kid you'd, you'd kind of like build jake murphy as who you'd build as a head coach so it was a no-brainer to name him a, a a captain insight credit union is a proud partner of stetson university athletics insight has been bringing better banking to central florida for nearly 85 years insight credit union is your local go-to for lower rates on auto and other loans credit cards and more insight credit union and you better together Want to stay up to date on all things happening in Hatter Nation? Follow us on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts at Stetson Hatters. Your destination for in-game stats, student-athlete features, game promotions, and more. Follow at Stetson Hatters today. Another part of the structure of the roster is you built this team with all of the incoming freshmen that you have, and you have a big number of freshmen, but expecting them to be replacing all the guys you were expecting to lose and then on top of all those guys, you get the five or so transfers dumped in, you know, dropped in your lap. And uh, yeah. now all of a sudden you've, you've gone from, uh, from, you know, trying to figure out who the best guy is to trying to figure out who's going to get, you know, how to get enough at bats for everybody that needs to play. Yeah. Just let's talk about the hitting side or the, uh, you know, the offense and, and position player side, you know, in a typical year, you have probably about 18 position players, maybe 19, and yeah, you're trying to whittle that down to that top 14. You know, that's going to get a lot of playing time. We have 29 yeah. this fall. All right, so we have 29, and we're not changing the amount of innings we're playing in the spring. <laughs> so, but you know, I think there's you know there's going to be a, a little bit of that um, that that wait and see kind of mode for some of our players. I mean, listen, there's two freshmen that are standing out tremendously. That's going to get playing time for us. There's no question. The best ten, you know, the best guys in the field play. Best 10 guys going on the field. Right. Doesn't matter what age you are. 
but obviously there's more depth, there's more competition. Um, but yes, you did add in those older position players and, you know, they're physically bigger. They have 500 plus college at bats under their belt. Um, you know, and it's been really funny for me. I mean, we got a couple of guys that are 24 years old, 23 year old, like this is an older team. Like coaching this group is a lot different than coaching an 18 year old. Um, I think anybody on this call will realize age 18 to 24 is a big maturity difference. No doubt. So, um, so I feel like I'm coaching single a or double a right now with some of the, when we get some of the guys on the team out there, it's like, just go do your job. They get it. It's a little bit more of a pro atmosphere. And what I mean by that is guys show up early. They know their stuff. They get themselves loose. They go out, they work on the things they got to work on. And then they, they check out and do their graduate work and, and move out. So, um, so we're excited about it because it did bring in a lot of talent with those older guys. And you talk about it being an older team. You still got 10 freshmen on this team and then a whole bunch of redshirt freshmen who may have played some last year, but really didn't get a chance because the season was cut short. Yeah, it, it certainly is. So, um, that roster, you know, both pitching wise, I think right now we're looking at 23 pitchers and 29 or so, uh, position got a players. Couple guys that do both. Yeah. And yeah. And a couple of guys do both. That's why the numbers go up a little bit more. So. So let's talk a little bit. I don't want to talk too much about pitching, but we'll talk about it kind of in broad strokes. I'm going to talk to to Dave Thurno, the pitching coach, in a separate podcast just about pitching. But give me your impression overall. You got what seven, uh, seventeen right-handers and six left-handers, twenty-three guys. Obviously, yeah. obviously, the number of innings, as you said, is not going to change. Uh, so it's going to be finding the right mix of, you know, a lot of times it's seven or eight guys that get most of the work. Yeah, that's true. And, and um, you know, I think the biggest thing, and, and I, I'm not going to steal Coach uh, Thurno's thunder, but I, I, him and I are about as close together on our ideas and philosophies. Um, so I punt a lot to him, but we both believe in strike throwing. It doesn't matter if you're 78 miles an hour or 98. So I think that that's where, you know, we have a few younger arms that are really good. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, those low 90s, you know, they got a good fastball, but their breaking ball hasn't been shaped yet. They overthrow a little bit, so their command's not great. Those guys might have a little bit of time to mature. And, you know, if you watch a typical Stetson game in the spring and it's March, you know, 9th and you're playing, uh, you know, a Northern team on Tuesday, you might have a five-run lead and you put a kid out there and he walks three guys in a row and you're like, all right, and then they go back to their bullpen. Like, that might not be there this year because right. there's a lot of guys that are, you know, polished a little bit more. But, you know, we're excited about, you know, the, the top group of starter guys. Uh, obviously, Chris Gonzalez is back who can do anything for you. Right. Bullpen start. Um, Nick Durgan, who was a freshman All-American in that shortened mm-hmm. season last year, was going to be phenomenal. Um, Daniel Perrett, who was a freshman All-American, who is a, you know, projected top 100 pick this year. Right. And I think our biggest pickup as a transfer was Chase Costello, uh, transferred from LSU. He's a Florida guy that went to LSU for two years and then transferred back. Um, probably our biggest arm in the team has been up to 97. Um, I can see him pitching on a weekend and, and going from there, but those four guys give you some quality chances there with, uh, you know, two left-handers, two right-handers. Um, the one freshman that we think is going to be right in that mix is a, a kid named Anthony DeFabi out of New York. Uh, Anthony's, uh, father, Jerry DeFabi is a longtime friend. He was a, head coach of Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, he was at Fordham University when I was way back in Manhattan. We go way back. And this kid, Anthony, uh, he's got probably the highest baseball IQ on our team. He's just a, he's just a coach's kid. Yeah. Um, he's a two-way guy. Yeah. He's a great outfielder. He can hit. And he's a left-handed pitcher that's 88 to 90 that knows how to pitch. So 
You're going to see a lot of him probably as a starter. Uh, and I really, what I think is going to happen is you're going to see those two guys pitching on the weekends in the bullpen, possibly mm -hmm. in him and Chris Gonzalez as our lefties. And then they go out and they throw those Tuesday and Wednesday games as starters, um, which could give us a good punch. You know, our bullpen is pretty good. You know, we like, obviously, Danny Garcia is your workhorse. Um, he has really thinned out body-wise. Um, got into uh, Coach Thurno's long toss program. His velocity ticked up. He's in that upper 80s, low 90s now. So he's been looking good. Garner Spall Jarek, you know, was our closer last year with that bang and slider. You know, he's back. Um, we think we can get a lot out of him. Um, we're get, hoping to get Nick Jusseri, which he's looked outstanding in the fall. He had Tommy John surgery last year. That's one of our older graduate yeah. student left-handed pitchers. Um, you know, Javon Gill, incoming freshman. He was our highest ranked recruit. He's a two-way guy also. Um, really good changeup. Um, can pitch a lot out of the bullpen fours and probably even be a – he'd be like that sixth starter if we had to go into a tournament right now. I think he'd be a guy labeled there. Um, you know, then we got some young guys like Jonathan Gonzalez, Chris's brother. Yeah. We got a clone of Chris. So we got him out there. Good changeup, good breaking ball guy. I got high hopes on Austin Amaral. who has got a big arm, a freshman. Jonathan Velasquez, uh, who you watched pitch the other day, I Ricky, did. when you were watching our scrimmage. You know, he's a 90-mile-an-hour guy with a good breaking ball. Uh, Cole Stallings, he has actually a little bit of a shoulder issue that's minor that was out um, this fall. But he was one of our bigger freshman incoming recruits. You know, and then there's a lot of strike throwers. Gavin Sullivan, you know, Brett Neal and Josh Plummer, we still want to try to get going. He has a big arm. So a lot of choices for us on the pitching staff as I rattle these names off. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm really excited to see uh, what this pitching staff can do because there is a lot of talent there. And, you know, the guy I'm really hoping that can come through and have a good season is Nick Cherry because he's been through so much. He seems like he's been here for 10 years and he hasn't had a chance to pitch yet. And uh, he's like the old grizzled vet, and he's still a redshirt sophomore on the roster. So, I mean, I, I know. know he's in grad school, but he's a, but uh, he's just been around forever. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him have some success. And there's some other guys in that mix. I'm, you know, I'd love to see Austin Wood bounce back and have some success this year. And you know, obviously know what Gonzo's going to do and Perrette and those guys. Yeah, you know, to speak to Woody real quick, you know, command has been a little bit of a problem. He had that thoracic injury, and um, he has been really – uh, I'd say he probably might be the biggest jump we've seen. Um, his fastball is not where it was in that low 90s. It's in that mid 80s. But his slider has been wipeout. And so, you know, again, throwing strikes is really going to be key for this team because, you know, big ballpark, a lot of home games. Yeah. You can't give away free stuff. You win, in, you win in this ballpark because you play defense and you don't put guys on for free. And That's then right. you're always down a run or two at the worst is what you feel like in this team, you know, in this ballpark. Florida Orthopedic Associates is proud to support Stetson University Athletics. Don't let pain affect your game. For sports injuries, sprains, fractures, and breaks, if it hurts, see them first at their Orange City walk-in clinic for urgent orthopedic injuries. Offices are located at Deland, Orange City, Lake Mary, and New Smyrna Beach. Florida Orthopedic Associates, state-of-the-art care, close to home. GoHatters.Photoshelter.com is your one-stop shop for all of the most memorable moments from your favorite Stetson teams. Game day and event photos are available for purchase directly on the website. Show your Stetson pride and log on to GoHatters.Photoshelter.com to get your photos today. Now, the trouble for you and for, for Coach Mercadante is figuring out how the lineup's going to piece together every day because you've got so many parts you can move and, and switch around. you got guys that can play first base 
and in the outfield and DH that can rotate through. You got guys in the infield that can play all three infield positions and move around, and you got guys that can play infield and outfield. So you got a lot of moving parts you're going to have to figure out. I guess whoever's swinging the hot bat's going to get the get the time. Yeah, you know, the easiest thing for me to do right now is talk about catching is, you know, obviously Chris and Pregent, we talked to him as a captain. He's looked tremendous, and, and he's your starting catcher. You know, Gio Lorenzo um, is a pretty good backup catcher to him, um, but he's one of our better hitters. You know, Middle we use him. Bat, yeah. yeah. Switch hit a guy that is probably going to DH a lot for you. You know, we had him in the four hole in a lot of the games when he, he was a little banged up last uh, in the beginning part of the year. But those two guys right there, Danny Martin has taken a huge jump too. I've seen him take a step up. And, you know, obviously Nick Cartier, he's got a lot of playing time here over his career as a backup to Austin Hale. And then last year to Pregent. So, you know, you got that core of catchers. Um, you know, we, we do have returning veterans like Kyle Ball, who has been our biggest offensive jump. Um, you know, he started out as a nine hitter as a freshman. Last year, we toyed with him as a one-two hitter. If I had to put a lineup today, I think he's a three hitter. Like he's wow. just tearing to cover up the ball, gotten stronger, hitting doubles, hitting gaps. You know, and he's a heck of a third baseman. He's probably, you know, our best third baseman. And losing John Miola could be heartbreaking defensively. Sure. And this is going out on a limb. Um, but I'm a coach that watches him every day. I have never coached a player like John Miola. Like, it has been the best defensive guy I've coached and coached against. Right. I will put that to anybody. There's not a lot of difference defensively with with Kyle Ball at third base. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty darn good. He's also a very good shortstop, so he gives us options if we do have to move him over there. That started his um, career at second base. Yeah, he's exactly right. He played second base his freshman year. So, I mean, you know, him, obviously, Georgie Arena's back and plays short, third, and second also. A lot of experience. Georgie's key is if he cuts down strikeouts like he did last year, sure. he's going to be a 280, 290 hitter and do a great job for us. Clutch guy um, drives and runs. Yep, he drives and runs. He led our team in RBIs the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you certainly have Andrew McNeil back. You got Eric Fago back. Um, you know, Nick DePonzio back, who we had high hopes. You know, so that's kind of like your mainstay of your guys that you had back that you, you can talk about them all day long. The one thing about that group, Eric Fago has done one heck of a job to become two or three more steps up as an outfielder. Right. All right. He was a first baseman that we stuck out in right field to try to get playing time. He's now an outfielder that – can play first base. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's reversed that way. So I think that that's been good. Um, where the surprise of this team is, is those dra graduate transfers, quite honestly. Um, you know, I think the one that stands out the most is Hernan Sardinius. Um, he is, he's arguably our best first baseman. He's also one heck of an outfielder in right field. Uh, Hernan's a, a, a transfer from university of Maine, my yeah. old place. He was my last recruit before I got the Stetson. He's out of Miami. He's a big, strong left-handed hitter, uh, all-conference player in that conference. And, right. you know, coming from both conferences in that Northeast, I'll tell you what, the Friday night guys and the Saturday guys, there's not a lot of difference. Uh -huh. You know, when you when you play, you know, Binghamton and Stony Brook and, you know, that league, the Friday night guys are, are Nick Durgan. Where the difference is is the midweek games where here at, Florida, at Stetson you play Florida, Florida State, those schools. Up there, you're playing lesser schools, even Division three schools sometimes, and the bullpens. So, you know, the big question always is, is can they hit at this level? Can they hit all the time? Well, Hernan's proved he's can in both legs. And so I think he's a middle of the lineup guy. Um, 
Jackson Olson is another transfer from that conference. Right. Um, that name might sound familiar to Hatter fans. Yep. He was the starting shortstop as a sophomore at the University of Hartford when he played in our re- regional here. He was obviously here last year as a senior in our three-game series with those guys. Um, he is a, a, an all-conference player. In fact, their conference is the America East. And Jackson was the America East Student Athlete of the Year, not baseball player. Just like Andrew McNeil made an All-American, academic All-American, so is Jackson. Just a great kid, kind of a clone of Andrew McNeil uh, in a way. Um, You know, those two guys have stood out. The third one that stood out, he's not a graduate transfer, but he's a transfer from Furman University, which dropped their program. So he became eligible right away. His name is Banks Griffith. He was a two-year starter for them at second base and shortstop. Um, I have him more as a second baseman for us on just because I think the other guys have a tad bit more arm strength, but he could easily play short for us also. But he's that, that third piece of the puzzle that can get into that infield and give us a little bit more depth as we go forward. Um, you know, the guys that are returners that our fans uh, haven't really got a great glimpse at, obviously the one that stands out is Brandon Hilton. Yep. You know, another guy that's He's a red shirt COVID freshman. He's been here three years. Um, he was off to a hot start last year when he was healthy. He's our first baseman DH. Um, and really, if you talk about that that side of the of the field, let's take the DH, the first baseman, and uh, the right fielder. That can rotate between Hernan, uh, Fago, Hilton, and then you throw Geo into that mix. You know, the- you know, there's a four man rotation for those three spots because all of them. Uh, well, Hernan and Fago can play both positions is what helps you out. Right. So right. I think that that's where, you know, one of the returners that I really look at is, is um, you know, obviously Brandon Hilton and what he can do uh, for the program. Um, and just on a couple of incoming guys, my biggest, like, yeehaw <laughs> has been uh, uh, Camden Traficante, um, local player, um, a very good infielder, switch hitter. He's been hitting a lot. He is hands down going to be one heck of a player for Stetson, but he's the one freshman in the infield that I think is going to really push some guys and get some playing time. And uh, I tell you what, if I had to today, where there's going to be some arguments with our coaching staff, because we all talk about our starting ups, it's going to be hard for me to keep Dylan Brazel out of the lineup. Uh Who's another freshman center fielder who I think is one of our best center fielders. Um, he's a, he's a, he's the true, a true leadoff guy and they're hard to come by. Yeah. And what I mean by that is those guys that you just hate to play against, you're like, Oh, this guy's up again. And they foul off nine pitches and they walk mm-hmm. and then they hit a ground ball and they run so fast. They beat it out. And then the next game they lead off with a bunt and then they steal second, steal third. And then there's a ground ball to shortstop and they score the run. That's Dylan. He really is. And th- the one thing that I really love about him is, you know, I, I played football in high school. My father was a football coach. I kind of always said I was a football coach coaching baseball. He's just a football mentality guy. I think he could go out on our football team right now and probably be their best receiver. And he was highly recruited as a football guy um, and chose baseball instead. But he just plays with like 110%. Just think of a guy that you wind up and just before the rubber band is going to break, you let the you let it go. That's just how he goes all the time. So he's exciting to watch. So I think those are the guys that are you know key guys. But there's guys like Connor Keel, who's a, a transfer last year, who got a handmade injury. You know I, he's looked well. Um, you know Raheem Salam, uh, Salmon has been looking good. You know there's some guys that can jump in to help out as we go. But that gets back to that 
hey, maybe there's some times that guys have to sit a little bit because we have such an older team with that veteran lineup. Our local bottler, Coca-Cola Beverages Florida, is a proud sponsor of Stetson Athletics. They make sure you have the perfect addition to any game day. The refreshing taste of an ice-cold Coke. Stetson Athletics and Coke Florida, a winning combination. Love Stetson Athletics? Then join the team behind the team. Donate to the Hatter Athletic Fund to help keep your Stetson Hatters at the top of elite competition. If you're interested in donating to provide opportunities for Stetson student-athletes, log on to GoHatters.com and click on the Hatter Athletic Fund link in the Support the Hatters tab. I know uh, Dylan Brazel was a guy that one of the scrimmages I was at, he was on base every time I, every time he turned around, he was on base and did exactly what you said, foul off pitches and draw a walk or, or, or hit a ball into right center and reach and then steal second. And, you know, next thing you know, he's coming across the plate on a ground ball. And that's, you know, that's something that I think all of baseball is missing is having that guy that yeah. can create run, create offense for you doing those kind of things. So we've talked about you've got four guys really for three spots at first base and right field and DH. You've got probably six guys for three spots on the left side of the infield. And then you got the other two outfield spots where there's another five or six guys in the mix with McNeil and Ponzio and and Kyle uh, uh, Murphy and and uh, there's probably some more guys that you got to figure in there. Yeah, we didn't talk about uh, we didn't talk about Anthony DePavia. Yeah, DePavia is another guy, and and, you know Connor Keel that you got to find that's that's a guy that can hit. I mean, it's going to be. I mean, you better come out of the box swinging the bat to start the year, or you'll find yourself sitting on the side watching somebody else play. Is, is the way I read it. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of approaches. As now, as the coach, you know, you could do this: put on the hat and be like, "All right, fellas, we got a ton of competition. If you screw up, you're on the bench. You got to really go all the time." And you know, that's one way of doing it. You know, but the other way of doing it is. I'm kind of taking the approach to the guys. Look, we're going to need everybody. Oh yeah. You know, like you, you, your ego's got to get checked at the door where it might be your day off because in all honesty, and I ask him this question, how many times in your career have you played a hundred percent? And if you start every day, you don't, sure. <laughs> you're 80, 90%. So this might be a way for us to keep guys, you know, instead of playing five games a week because you're the starting shortstop or the starting second baseman, it might be better to play four games a week and get some other guys playing time that are very good, but also keep healthy. And then the other thing, Ricky, I'm, I'm like in the COVID mode. It's like, all right, what happens when we lose four guys right. to trace contacting for two weeks? I can insert some of these guys that have playing time, that have experience, and that have talent. So I really think the, the team that's going to win Omaha this year is going to be the team that understands how to plug in when you lose somebody for COVID for a couple of weeks during your lineup. And, you know, if you lose your Friday night guy and your shortstop and your catcher, typically you'd be like, that's it. We're done. You know, you know, we're LSU, we're, we're Vanderbilt. We're done this weekend. We're going to get our, you know, our butts handed to us. I don't think that's the case, at least with the team that we have right now. And and even beyond what, what we've talked about, you, you got guys that can play multiple positions and move around, but even, even a guy like Eric Fago, who's played his entire career first base now in right field, he's also seen time at third base. I mean, yep. so you got multiple guys you can move around, and I'm sure Brandon Hilton could, you know, in a crunch play in right field if he had to. You um, could, yeah. If we get to that spot, we have plenty of moves that we can make. So it's gonna it's gonna be uh, the jigsaw puzzle for you and, and Merck every night trying to make that lineup out and and make sure you know probably matchups with opposing pitchers is gonna play a bigger part in what you're trying to do just because you have so many options that you can work from. 
Yeah, certainly. You know, I mean, it's a, in a way it's a coach's dream and it's a coach's nightmare. You know, I mean, you, you want to, these guys work so darn hard. You want to reward them with playing time, but uh, in the same sense, we can only play those 10 guys, but you know, my philosophy going into it is, is to rotate guys. Um, you know, uh, this sounds a little conceited maybe, and I hope it doesn't come off that way, but I remember uh, Calipari at Kentucky said, we're going to play a starting five and then we're going to play another five every three minutes and we're going to switch them in and out. We're going to take on, cause we have 10 of the best players in the country right. and they went with that philosophy and it worked for them for a long right. time. You know, I'm not saying we're Kentucky basketball or we're even at that level as a staff or as players, but we're going to be able to shuffle guys in and out. And I think it's more for health and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, depth of that we're going to use and our guys buy into that. I guess the challenge when the spring comes is how do you fit two locker rooms down into one locker room and, and, and 49 guys into a dugout? I mean, there may be a time where you have to tell guys, listen, you can't be in the dugout today. Yeah. You know, and that's, it's, it's, it's ironic you mentioned that because, you know, people watching this call might be like, you know, wow, coach has got a lot of decisions to make. That's the easy part. The hard part is deciding how I'm going to get everybody in here for 10 minutes and out and who's dressing and who's not. And, you know, you saw Major League Baseball, you saw Jake DeGrom pitch on a Friday and then he's up in the stands doing charts on Saturday. You know, that that's probably what's going to happen to us. We're going to probably have chairs six feet. We're going to pro- most likely, I've already planned that we're going to paint some white lines the old fashioned way at the end of our dugouts where you see those gray walls and we're going to have some outside benches just to kind of space people out. And, you know, certain nights, you know, guys won't dress in a typical uh, year. Nick Durgan pitches on Friday night. Of course, he's doing his workout and dressing and doing charts on Saturday. He, he You know, those guys won't pitch you know, in a dugout. Yeah, no, that's that's going to – to me, it's going to be the biggest challenge is trying to figure out how to manage all of that while another team is, is there as well taking up space. Um, one of the, the – obviously, another one of the challenges – has been and will continue to be trying to piece together a schedule. And I know with Bethune Cookman dropping uh, sports, it's uh, for the spring. That's that costs games. You're constantly juggling what you're doing. So how how are conversations going with the other, primarily I would assume Florida schools to try to get everybody enough games? Yeah, uh, it's 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 an ever changing situation going on right now. I mean, you know, we we um, I think I've done nine schedules now you know, since uh, the start of March when we thought about Northern teams not coming. And and then we've had some Florida teams that were, you know, uh, uh, playing us like Bethune. Uh, now they're not. So we had to re- really just backfill all of our stuff as we went forward. And um, and so, you know, we, we're, we're pretty hopeful. We have a conference schedule that's going to be released any day now. We have a non-conference schedule that fills up the rest of our schedule that we're really confident that we can get to those games and, and play them. Um, so, um, I'm sure it's going to change again. Um, this might be, this might be 1989 all over again, where it's like, bring, bring, Hey, coach sudden such, we lost the game. You mind hooking up on Tuesday and playing, you know, like things might get scheduled last minute when people are losing games locally. So I think that's how it's going to go. So obviously this has had to have brought the coaches in the state together more with those conversations. Is everybody kind of on the same page with, you know, let's, let's figure out a way to make this work. Yeah, you know, I, I, um, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, uh, Marvell down at FIU lost his fourth weekend to a Northern team in panic. And I'm like, come on up, man, just play an art. We're playing Wichita State. Come on up and just play a three-way. And then the same thing happened to us for a weekend that we're going to go over and play South Florida. You know, Greg Lovelady lost his opening weekend a couple weeks ago to Siena. So, 
he's like, we're just playing each other. Like, this is figured out. Like, we'll just come here. We'll go there. We'll bring the team with us. So, yeah, we've all just kind of moved and shaken amongst all of us in this state where we've all kind of agreed that if someone gets dropped last minute, if you have a weekend already set against a non-conference opponent, just join it. Just come on over. We'll play four games. Somebody play a doubleheader on each day. And you can do a, a little three-team, four-game tournament by doing it. So I think a lot of that's going to happen. Now, besides conference and state schools, the only out-of-state schools you got left are, are Maine, Wichita State, and Alabama. As far as Alabama, that's a signed contract. We're going. Um, it's actually a week that we're actually going to go. It might be one of our toughest weeks of the year. We're going to play at Florida on Tuesday and Wednesday of that week. And then just keep on driving and head right to Alabama and play them. Right. So you got five SEC games in a week. Um, That'll be fun. You know, which will be a good challenge. Yeah. That'll be fun. Be a good challenge for us. Um, I'll tell you what, though. You know, um, these are bold. St- no, no coach in, in January or Mar- or December is ever going to tell you, boy, we're going to stink this year. But there's years when I'm like, oh, boy, like that's going to be a tough <laughs> week. You know, <laughs> like a Hope we get through that thing two and three yeah. and playing well. The team this year, like in 2018, I showed up at the ballpark every day with the most confidence I've ever had in my career. Right. Like, we're going to win today. Like, I, you know, and that sounds, again, conceited, but that week doesn't frighten me as much as a coach. Like, okay, I hope everything goes right. I hope the travel goes well. Right now, I'm like, we got some tap. Like, you know, we're going to go in there and I think we're going to bring a, we're going to bring a fight, right. you know, and, and uh, um, I think that that's why. I'm I'm really looking forward more than I've ever had to a, a week like that, where before I might say, all right, we're obviously going to play well on a Friday and a Saturday, but there's always that one throwaway game where it's like, all right, that Wednesday game is going to be like, oh boy, um, you know, I think we have an offensive team. I think we got a, a lot of depth in pitching that we can do that. But um, and then I just had a talk with uh, Wichita State yesterday. They're 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 all in. They're they're like we're pra- we're coming. We booked our flights. We booked our hotels. So unless you tell us not to come, we're coming. And that's another traditional, you know, back in the days with Gene Stevenson and going to the World Series every year. That's a program that's had a lot of highs in their history. Yeah, you know, um, it, I think if you look back at, you know, the 37-plus years that Coach Dunn was here and, um, you know, and, and back to, to Coach Ward, um, there's been some really good teams, obviously, some great teams, yeah. you know, top 10 programs. Um, and you know, a lot has to do with scheduling more and more so than back when I first got into coaching because of this RPI and every year you're trying to play a balanced schedule where you get wins, but you also play a couple of RPI uh, opponents that are really good. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've said this and Jeff Altier, our AD will agree. Um, we've always said that if you can get that 40 win threshold, from our conference games, plus the non-conference with a couple Northern schools, those mains that I used to come down for and play. And then you added a couple of midweek games. If you can get 40 to 42 wins, you got a chance at an at-large. Okay. This schedule, if you go back and look at it, yeah, I'm almost saying if you can win 34 ball games, <laughs> your RPI might be good enough to be a, an at-large. So, so I think that, um, you know, it, there's no cream puffs on this schedule. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, no. you know, opening up UCF for a weekend, South Florida for a weekend, Wichita state, Alabama, you know, like, like there, there, there's some good schools there. 
Stetson fans, Bud Light is proud to be the official beer of Stetson University. Making friends is Bud Light's business, and as part of this, Bud Light wants to remind everyone that choosing a designated driver is what good friends do. Bud Light, Daytona Beverages, and Stetson University. Thanks everyone for making a responsible choice in choosing a designated driver. Show your Stetson spirit and get your green on with officially licensed tees, sweats, hoodies, and more. Go to www.shopgohatters.com. All your Hatters gear is just a click away. Visit www.shopgohatters.com today. It's got to be a lot easier for you to schedule those games right now, especially because Jeff is the chair of the selection committee. So people are going to want to get in front of him. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing too. They want to come in our ballpark and show off, so uh, so they're more willing to come here. <laughs> so <laughs> I, bet, I bet that's true. So the only school in the state, I guess, is not on the schedule right now is FAU. Have you talked to Kevin down there? And uh... yeah, I mean, John McCormick, the coach there, and I, John. we we have we have some contingency plans of of hooking up. It's just that traditionally they haven't played each other um, because they were in the same conference at one point, and. Uh, um, there's never been a lot of room to get them on. And I think what it works out to be is once you start playing home and home with Florida state, Florida, UCF and South Florida, and in the past Bethune, it took up so many you. midweek games that you really didn't need to fit them in. Um, but really the only two that we're not playing is Miami and, um, and FAU, but that could change in any day here. So, uh, it's gotta be tough. Now you're, you're winding down the end of fall practice and you're not going to have the guys for the next two months almost. Yeah. So how do you how do you keep momentum from fall going when you're not going to be seeing the guys in person? Obviously, you'll have Zoom calls with them, and they've, they've got to find ways to keep their momentum going so that they're ready when they get back here because it's going to be a quick turnaround from you know check-in and COVID testing to going through the phases to where they can start getting ready to play, and then boom, season time. Yeah, it's going to be uh, uncharted waters for Stetson baseball where, you know, you're, you're releasing your kids one month early. All right, typically we'd have our guys thrown all the way up to December 18th when they go home, go home for three or four weeks and they're back. Now they're leaving on, you know, November 20th. All right. So there is a challenge to that of keep them continuing to build. I'm not worried about their, their psyche and that part of it. We can get that going. It's more the strength and the arm strength that we've already built. They're going to have to continue to throw. The one good thing is, is – uh because of the way COVID kind of took the campus to a single occupancy, you know, we have, I'd say probably 13 to 14 guys that live off campus now, which has never happened. Right. And all those guys are all planning on going home for Thanksgiving, spending a month there, you know, and I, I know they're all returning on December 20th. <laughs> they're all coming back and they're going to move into their apartments and start working out again. And I think there'll be a lot of guys crashing on couches in that first extra week or so. So, I think they'll be back a little bit quicker than they normally do because they're going to get bored, especially the kids from the north that are like, why am I up here? I might as well just drive back down to Florida and go to my apartment and sure. start working out again. Again, like pro ball. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, we'll wrap up with the one last thing. I know COVID has kind of thrown a monkey wrench into planning for future for the program, for the facilities. But how is how are those plans going and and, and how do you see the future of the of the, you know, I know you've got some uh drawings on your table across across the way there how are how are planning for that going and how do you see that happening down the road yeah you know um i think if we didn't hit covid we we were kind of on track to start uh the summer of 2021 that was the plan 
to start a renovation of Melching Stadium with the city. Um, and and this is this is both of us agreeing and all this stuff. Um, you know, we set that back one year. You know, we're on track at this point to um, to to uh, try to get a 2022 June July uh, start date of phase one. I would call it of our renovation. Um, you know, it, it's going to do a lot with what you see here. Um, so we have things like you know all new chair backs, some extra additional seating, new video board. Uh, a big part is the lights and the surface. Um, and just kind of a, you know, a roof going over everything. So I think that's part of our phase one that the city and ourselves are partnering together. Um, we're currently raising the funds from that. We're, we're, you know, got a pretty good dent going here on that. And that's what our big next six months to a year is going to be doing on our part for Stetson baseball. Um, but our lease is up. It was up this year and the city graciously extended it um, that year. And then when COVID hit, they extended it the extra year for us. So we're in good shape, but we're going to be moving forward with a 20 year lease on top of that. Once this renovation gets done, um, you know, the phase two is a bigger project that has a lot more bells and whistles to it with batting cage renovation and some weight rooms and some things like that. Don't know if that's on the horizon right now or not. I think we're focused on getting what we have and getting it tidied up. And, and, uh, I've always said that you got to, a little bit of paint and putty always goes a long way. Sure. <laughs> and so, uh, so right now I think that we have a beautiful stadium to begin with an unbelievable location, you know, just, I would arguably tell everybody it's the best city in the country now, or it's town. You know, we advertise that with main street all the time and Deland, and we have such a great working relationship with Rick Hall, Michael Ploys, obviously mayor Apgar and the whole city of Deland that we don't want to ever not have this place. So, I think we're just going to get to the point where we can have a tw top 20 stadium in today's age. This was a top 20 facility in 1999. Absolutely. Absolutely. We might not be today. We're still pretty darn good or close, right. but we can get this thing to be a top 20, but we don't have to knock down and build a $90 million place. Like right. we're not that far off from putting a little paint and putty on our place and getting it look pretty nice. Yeah, the only challenge with that, I guess, is when you start doing some of those field renovations and, and surface changes – that means the field's closed. You can't use it for the summer, so no Deland Suns, and then it could roll into the fall with effect fall practice, but that's still a ways down the road, and obviously there are options there. But um, we'll wrap up with teams leaving early. you got more time. You're a high-energy guy. How do you burn off your extra energy in this two-month window where you're not going to have a team to coach? Yeah, you know, i tell you what. In my whole career, I've gotten asked by so many people, um, what does a baseball coach do when they're not playing coaching baseball? And I'm like, follow me all summer and you'll see what we do. It's our busiest <laughs> time. But I will say that I've always, my, my mental checkout time was always Thanksgiving to Christmas when we usually have like that time where I can kind of just decompress and, you know, you know, I, I was, I was an avid skier. Maybe I'll start skiing a little bit more and, but, you know, there's a lot of our donors that are Stetson alums that ski. So I might go out and see Ted Troxel in, in, in Aspen for a day or two. I don't know. I'll find something to keep myself busy. I'm I'm, I'm becoming a true Floridian. I'm getting myself into offshore fishing now. So Nice. Maybe I'll fish a little bit more. Like Coach Dunn was the big fisherman and I wasn't that big. But um, and I, and, and I'm hopeful, quite honestly, that, you know, they allow fans uh, for – for uh, hockey East <laughs> yeah. because I'd love to fly up the weekend to Boston and see Allie and Morgan play. And 
If not, maybe I can bring my COVID test from my athletic plan and sneak in Zamboni doors with the uh, Bobby <laughs> Valentine mustache and glasses. I, I wear a Zamboni uh, jacket at Maine, and I know the people at Vermont, so I might go out and carve the ice up for them in between periods, and I know how to do that. <laughs> so maybe I'll do a volunteer ice carving or something and try to get to see them. But, you know, I'm obviously going to be looking forward to get the season going. And, you know, we have the normal planning of hotels and trips and practice plans and, and doing those stuff. So um, we'll stay busy, and, and uh, you know, we're certainly um, you know, excited to have this, this whole thing try to get kicked off. Great. Perfect. That's a, it's been a good spending time with you and t- actually talking baseball. That's, that's what I enjoy the most. And I know it's what you enjoy the most. So uh, uh, great having you on the podcast and uh, can't wait for, for February 19th to get here and we can start playing no matter who it is we're playing, which we don't know right now. Yeah. And you know, Ricky, thanks for having me on. And you know, you've done a great job with the Hatter Chatters. I think, um, you know, I'm always the optimist and people can woe and woe about COVID, but hey, we've gotten to learn how to work Zoom. You've been a podcast, you've gotten hatter chatter. Look at all the great things that have happened <laughs> since it's gone on. And this has got a lot of attention for our Stetson fans. And we've reached out in different ways. And I think this is a an unbelievable thing that you're doing to help connect fans. And my whole goal, and I think we all think positive, is there's a, a way that all this, I don't want to say goes away, but it's mitigated where we can have fans. And I think people are going to come in droves. I always oh, said, right. if you build it, they will come. Well, maybe not the stadium itself just yet, but we built a really good team. I think people are itching to see some baseball and outdoor events. and They're going to see a good product. So, you know, let's set some attendance records. If we're allowed to, yeah. let's set some attendance records this spring. Let's get that vaccine and we'll get it rolling. Steve, <laughs> appreciate right. you spending time with me today. It's been great. And, uh, again, look forward to seeing you this, uh, this uh, spring. Talk to you again Thank soon. You. Thank you. That was head coach Steve Steve Tremper on Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. We will have more baseball talk with uh, assistant head coach Dave Thurno talking about pitching and assistant coach Joe Mercadante talking about recruiting and some of the other aspects of the baseball program in the next week or so. Thanks and uh, go Hatters. And that'll do it for this edition of Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. I'd like to thank all of our corporate sponsors who make it possible for Stetson University and Stetson Athletics to provide our more than 400 student athletes a quality experience on the courts and fields of competition in the same way the faculty provides all Stetson University students a quality educational experience. Those sponsors include, of course, our presenting sponsor, Insight Credit Union. Other sponsors include Florida Public Utilities. Visit askforgas.com for more information. Geico Insurance. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com to find out how. Advent Health. Visit westvolusia.com. Old Florida, new vibe. Coca-Cola Beverages of Florida. The Alliance Community for Retirement Living. Bud Light, the official beer of Stetson University. Florida Orthopedic Associates. If it hurts, see them first. Hampton Inn and Suites of Deland. ImageWorks, your one-stop corporate identity shop. Main Street Community Bank, familiar name, familiar faces, familiar bank. Morningstar Storage, the space you need, the way you want it. Orlando Sanford International Airport. Visit flysfb.com. Simpler, faster, better. Total Comfort, the name you can trust. And Weston Lake Mary Orlando North, for a better you. Thank you to all of our corporate sponsors.